Press record. We're recording. All right. Hey, guys, this is uh, Kyle Klammer here, here with um, Zach Welch. Zach, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? I'm Zach Welch. And uh, we're just getting started here. We're going to be um, recording a podcast for the Nebraska Bowhunters Association. If you're listening to this, you're probably very familiar with that club. Um, basically, the idea behind this, um, Zach and I kind of came up with this idea back in, I'd say it was about March. Or? Yeah, about March, somewhere in there. Um, and just basically thought that this would be a good chance to promote the club and just to get to know more members of the NBA as well as just kind of, um, you know, continue to, um, keep things going with the club and, um, just progress as a club in general. So with that being said, we're just, this is going to kind of be a trial run here. We're going to, we kind of have an, a rough outline of things that we want to touch on and um, definitely want anybody that has any suggestions related to the podcast, we'd want you to go ahead and, and send those in for us. Um, at, uh, we set up an email account for the podcast. I don't know if you want to just read that off quick, Zach. Yeah, if you have any suggestions for the podcast or any questions in general, um, you can send them to nebowhunt at podcast. G or excuse me, any bowhunt podcast at gmail.com. That's all lowercase and no spaces. Yeah, and like I said, we're we're just trying to get things going here, I guess, and um, hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversation and stuff that we've got planned for today. Real quick, I'm gonna have Zach go ahead and just share just some. We don't have a ton of announcements, but just some brief. Um, announcements for the NBA. Zach, if you want to go ahead and do that. Yeah, so in the NBA, uh, like Kyle said, if you're listening to this, you're probably really familiar with the organization. And uh, here in about a month, we got the Halsey Jamboree coming up. So uh, if you're listening to this or, you know, if you've never been there before, we encourage you to come. It's always a good time. Come down and shoot some 3D targets for a few days and eat some good food and hang out with some awesome people. It's always a highlight of the year for us. Definitely, definitely. I would 100% agree with Zach there. Um, it is a very fun time, um, good chance to come out and shoot your bow, just enjoy company with, with all the other NBA members. So definitely encourage everyone to um, come out and, and support that event. We will have a podcast, hopefully within the next um, couple weeks or so, um, related to just the jamboree itself we'll have jake running and, and eric on hopefully get them uh just kind of tell you all about the events and everything that are going on so and don't really have any um other i guess news topics or anything pertinent zach anything you have to add there no not really okay not that i can think of perfect um next thing so we're gonna try and have a segment every episode that we're going to refer to as trophy wall and this is going to be quick stories um, from nba members that'll be you know five to ten minutes in length somewhere around there basically just kind of highlighting um, members hunts and successful harvests or even you know not even doesn't even have to be a successful harvest just a fun hunt that you wanted to share with the club and we were just uh definitely um you know want to hear from people regarding this so i will just put a plug in right away that if you have a just a short story that you'd like to share with the club or anything we would appreciate um appreciate you to just send that in for us and and we'll uh, air it on the podcast here but i'm gonna have zach just go ahead and um you know i know everybody's read or most people probably have read his story in in the the Bowhunters um, newsletter, but uh, you know I think it's always fun to just hear from the person you know and kind of their sort of uh, emotions and different things you can hear in their voice when they're talking about a specific hunt. And uh, so I'm gonna have Zach talk about his his elk hunt from last year. As we know, he had the super tag. And, uh, Zach, you want to just kind of, 
I guess tell us about first of all tell us about the super tag and what that is just for anybody that's not familiar with that yeah so uh the super tag is a combo lottery tag offered by game and parks and to be honest with you i'd heard of it before it was about this time last year i didn't really know much about it so if you don't know what it is it uh it's basically on one tag you get an elk an antelope a deer and two turkeys and you get two years to fill the tag and can use any weapon you want and there's they give out two of them they give out one that's a single entry and is only open to residents then there's another one that uh is open to non-residents and it's a you can buy as many entries as you want to it essentially so anyways it was about this time last year and i had applied for uh nebraska elk uh, which was a long shot at first anyways and of course draw day came out and so i didn't get an elk tag and i was on the computer and i see this advertisement on the side for super tag and kind of caught my eye and i clicked on it (laughs) because i'd heard of it and uh you know i kind of just wanted to find out a little more about and i got to reading and it was 26 dollars i think to put in for it and so i i was actually texting my mom at the time and i said tell dad i didn't draw an elk tag and i said i'm gonna apply for the super tag though and she replied almost right away she goes dad says you're wasting your money you're throwing it away I'm like, you know what? He he does have a point, kinda. And then I almost didn't do it. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it. It's twenty six dollars. Might as well. So, anyways, a couple weeks had gone by, and the last thing I remember reading on the tag it said, uh, "Winner's gonna be notified by phone call." And I don't know why it kind of just stuck with me. So, anyways, I saw that the last day of the application cycle was coming up. And it had kind of just been on my mind, and long story short, I get a call one day from a Lincoln number, and I was like, it was the first thing I thought of, and don't ask me why, but I'm just like, all of a sudden my heart started racing, I'm like, oh man, what if this is a game in parks? And so I answer it as a telemarketer, oh. and I'm just like, well, so that, <laughs> dang it, yeah, I know, yeah, it kind of put me in my place a little bit. I was like, man, I actually thought I drew the tag. What was I thinking? You know, I don't, thought yeah. I was going crazy a little bit, but uh. Anyways, uh, almost, the next day, almost exact same time, my dad calls me, and I answer it, and you know, he's like, hey, how's it going? And I was kind of trying to get ready for work. I was in a rush. I was like, you know, what's going on? I, I wasn't going to answer it, but I'm just like, this is weird. He never calls at this time of the day. Almost didn't answer it, and I answer it, and anyways, he asked me what I was doing. I was like, oh, trying to get ready for work, you know, and He's just like, guess who drew that super tag? And kind of said it like that. And I thought, well, somebody we knew probably drew it. And he goes, you did. And I didn't believe him for like five minutes. And then <laughs> he goes, no, your mom just got a phone call that Game and Parks called and said you drew it. And man, I'll, I'll never forget that. I mean, I still think about that day. Yeah, I day. remember you calling me. I, I mean, and telling me, I was like, you're joking. No, I was so you jacked gotta, up. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no way. But I, I was calling everyone. <laughs> Yeah, but anyways, I spent the rest of the summer, I mean, I I made it a point that day, I said, I'm not going to miss a day shooting my bow, I'm going to do everything in my power to, you know, fill this tag with the bow, and you know, I had two years to fill the tag, but at the time, I had been applying for grad school, Yep. didn't know where I was going to be, you know, what my situation was going to be, I'm just like, I want to, you know, shoot this bull this year, you know, the elk was the top priority, you know, spent a couple of days calling landowners. Had a lot of people help me out on that, which was awesome. You know, it, you know, I had so many people help me out on this thing that I, you know, can't thank everybody enough. But anyways, to get to the hunt, the actual hunt, we we went out. Backstory is important. Yeah, very important. But anyways, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> anyways, we went out opening week, and we hadn't, you know, had a lot of time to scout or anything. You know, drew the tag July tenth. You know. Mm-hmm. and then didn't have a lot of time to do much had a, had a lot of places lined up and so the first weekend our kind of, our plan was kind of just to go down there and see what see what was there you know maybe glass some bowls see what we wanted so we get down there and there's one landowner i needed to meet with before we went out the next day i i'd called him and he said well i want to meet you in person before you know he goes so i can show you where the boundaries are and stuff because it can look confusing on maps so we go meet this old, this old farmer, and you know he was a good old guy. And uh, so I hop in his pickup with him, and my dad and Matt Gideon were in the pickup behind us, following us. And he's kind of just showing a, the outline of his land, 
and everything. And I hop out, you know, I thank him, shake his hand and everything. I get in and my dad turns around and says, both him and Matt's eyes were huge. Like we just saw a giant bull and they were 20 yards behind us in the pickups. Like, how did I not see it? You know? And I guess as we were driving by this one pasture, there's a big bull cutting across and he's like, this is where we need to start in the morning. So that's where, you know, we decided where we were going to start because we, I mean, we had 15 places that we could have gone. So anyways, we go in that morning and, you know, not really knowing what to expect. So we set up on the edge of this, kind of this, not even a pasture, it's just a little set aside overgrowth type stuff Mm -hmm. between these two fields where we also had permission on the field to the east where the bull had come out of. And so we set up there, you know, not really knowing what to expect and you know, the sun kind of started to come up, and all of a sudden my dad goes, nudges me, he goes, there's some elk, and up on the side hill, maybe a half mile away, here comes some cows and stuff, and a couple small bulls, and you know, I'm looking through my binoculars, and all of a sudden this big bull crests the hill and just <laughs> bugles, and I'll, I'll never forget that, just, I just had goosebumps go but down my back, it's like, holy smokes, if we don't kill a bull on this trip, you know, that, that was worth it in itself, <laughs> yeah. and you know, these elk were just, they, messed around on the top of this hill for i don't know an hour first hour of light and then they went into the field for the day and you know so we essentially had an hour in the big hour at the beginning of the day an hour at the end where the elk were out you know they were spending the rest of the time in the fields so that evening we actually set up a stand along the edge of this field in a cedar where the elk had come from that morning and long story short, I had a big bull coming to me. Cow called him. He was following some cows, and I let out a couple of mews. And all of a sudden, he came trotting towards me. And about the time he got, I don't know, 150 yards away, I felt a breeze on my cheek, and I knew the gig was up. He mm. threw his nose in the air and whirled. And so I sat back down in my stand towards dark. The same bull we saw that morning came out with like 20-some cows and calves, the herd bull. And I watch him bed on this side hill. And so at dark, my dad comes and gets me, and it's like, I watched the herd bull bed. I know exactly where he's at. You know, if we if we set up pretty close to where we saw him come over the hill, if we have a south wind the, the next morning, which was in the forecast, it's like, we're going to be in business if we can get right there. And so we get up. I mean, on, I mean, this is the day that we killed the bull. We went to bed that night. We wake up, my alarm goes off, and, you know, I was tired. I hadn't slept, like, the whole week, you know, (laughs) leading up this hunt. It wasn't like we had been busting our butts or anything, hiking, you know, at 10,000 feet on, like, he would on a normal elk hunt. But, you know, I was tired. I remember just sitting at the side of my bed, and, you know, it was just kind of still. And I was like, I just had this strange feeling. I was like, man, today might be the day. Mm -hmm. I remember just sitting there, and I'm just like, God, please just give us a bull today, because I knew that... If everything went well, I mean, we had a good chance at do, at doing it. So me and my dad, Matt drops us off. Me and my dad go and we set up, you know, close to where those elk had come, you know, that morning. And we're sitting there and, you know, pretty soon my dad goes, here they come. And the herd bulls coming across the pasture out of the field. They had same, I mean, same path they had taken the day before. Here come the cat, here come the cows. And all of a sudden that bull chases off the satellite bull and he cuts back to our north and all of a sudden now like we're in position like right where we need to be and the cows start coming Mm -hmm. my dad goes we're in business and you know everything's going perfect right now the bull's coming right at us and he's just like we if he does that we're we're good you know and all of a sudden the bull starts cutting to our north and my dad you know we both get up and we're just like we need to cut about 80 yards if we're gonna cut him off yeah before he gets into the field you know (laughs) And so we stand up and we start going. We no more than we had we stood up. There's a cat top of a cow's back right there, and we're just like, you know, we're not going anywhere. That cow has us pinned if we move anymore. And so we're kind of just looking at each other. He goes, "I'm going to bugle," and he goes, "He was bugling this morning, you know, chased off that satellite bull. It's worth a shot." I remember he bugled, and all of a sudden he just fired back that bull did. <laughs> and my dad kind of looks at me, bugles again, and the bull fired back like right away, and. Keep in mind, we're we're on the edge of like this tall, like set aside, kind of some I don't know. It was probably seven foot tall weeds. Sure. And we're right at the edge of it, between you know the field. There's just kind of a little grassy spot we're on, and so the bull's in that tall stuff, and so he bugled the second time, and 
you know, it sounded close. I mean, it, he was within 50 yards. And all of a sudden, I look up and I see those ivory tines bouncing over the weeds. <laughs> and my dad oh, nudges man. me. He's like, draw your bow. So I draw. The bull steps right out of the edge of that tall stuff. I mean, 10 yards. And I got Jeez. my pin on him. And it's just so thick that I can't, I can see his neck and his, I mean, his head. And that's it. And so I'm sitting there with my pin on him, you know, not knowing if he's going to step out or not. And all of a sudden he whirls and he takes off into the weeds. My dad grabs me and we run into that tall stuff. And, you know, we're letting out cow calls as we go. And you can just see his tines just back. He's herding up his cows, just running around him. You know, there's just elk everywhere in there. And we find a little clearing in this tall stuff, you know, maybe 20 mm-hmm. yards wide. Mm-hmm. And so my dad sets down again, and he bugles again, and all of a sudden you see the tips of those bulls' tines. He, they snap right in our direction. He comes bouncing again right back at us. Same deal, I draw again, and 10 yards once again, I mean, same scenario, right at the edge of this tall stuff. There's one little crease right to his chest, and just like, my dad's nudging me. He's like, shoot him, shoot him, you know, mm-hmm. from my dad's position. It, I guess he had a wide open shot to him, you know, and... So I'm sitting there with my pin on the bull right on this crease. I'm just right as I'm getting ready to touch it off. I'm just like, I can squeeze it right through there. You know, it's 10 yards. I was calm. Sure. Whirls again and takes his cow. Like cows are going all over the place. He's, <laughs> he's herding him up again. And this time he takes him out of the tall stuff, kind of in some knee high stubble to where it was tapering off into some shorter stuff, like back towards the field they'd come from that morning. And so, you know, we run to the edge of the, my dad grabs me, we run to the edge of the tall stuff, and, you know, there's cows just kind of filing out one by one out of the tall stuff into this stubble, and, you know, they're coming out, and I, I look to my left, and the bull is coming out of the tall stuff, and, I mean, it was, it was like slow motion, I, I told my dad, I was like, range him right there, and, you know, it, we'd talked about max distance, you know, before that, and had said, you know, we can bugle a bull in close, nothing. Sure. You know, I, I feel comfortable shooting out to 50, 60, you know, on antelope and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just like, you know, I want to bowl nice and close because I know we can bugle them in. But he ranges him and he goes, 51. And I pull back and, you know, I, I had shot my bow every day. I made a point to do it. I was comfortable. I settled the pin on him and, uh, you know, I, I mewed to get him to stop. And, you know, I'm still thinking about it. And then I just settle in and my dad lets out a cow call and the bull kind of just stopped put his front leg forward and I just shot and I heard the thump and I'm just like well I hit him you know and I, I didn't know where it, the shot looked good felt good you know I couldn't see exactly where he, I hit mm-hmm. and you know blood's running down his like dead center of his body and you know cows take off and he's kind of just standing there and I'm just like oh man it was a liver shot you know and so the bull goes another 150 yards and and beds down you know and I'm I'm thinking, you know, liver, you know, we wait here a few hours, he's going to expire. You know, I'm just like thinking, gosh, dang it, why couldn't it just smoked him right there? You know, I shot, felt really good. You know, I felt comfortable. And Mm -hmm. so we're watching him and all of a sudden the bull lays on his side and starts gasping. My dad's like, I think he caught the back of the lungs and he he was, you know, blowing air and he was within a few minutes expiring. And at that time, you know, we're just like, you know, let's just go up there. There's some tall grass between us and him. We can just belly crawl up there and finish it. Mm-hmm. So we crawl up there and, you know, the bull's laying on his side gasping, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, about ready to be done. And my dad ranges him. He's like 27. And I pull back and just, I mean, put it right there. And the bull, it, in a matter of seconds, it was over. And I... I'll never forget that. I mean, it was like neither of us knew what to say. I, I, me and my dad looked at each other. We hugged each other, and I don't yeah. think either either of one of us said a word for at least five minutes. You know, and here came Matt down with the pickup. He'd been watching the whole thing with it from a, I mean, from a long ways away with a spotting scope. And you know, I'll just never forget putting my hands on that bull. You oh, know, I yeah. I dreamed of it, and you know, it all happened. Yeah. You know, like that in the most unbelievable way. You know, I, I still think about it to this day, you know, nearly every day, but yeah, but yeah, that was the story of, of the bull. Like Kyle said, I, you know, you probably read about it, but you know, I'm sure plenty of you have heard it in person, but yeah, yeah. no, what a, I mean, what an awesome experience for, you know, one of our own fellow NBA members to have. And, you know, we just, uh, you know, you got the, that really cool award at the banquet last, um, 
last March too, just oh, for yeah. you know Absolutely. having harvested you know an antelope and and an elk and three whitetail bucks, right? Because yeah, you got. Three, uh, I mean, that's just astounding, and yeah. two turkeys too. So. Two turkeys, yep. So okay. that was just the fall of all falls, I think. Oh, so man, yeah, it's gonna be <laughs> tough to beat. I don't yeah. know if I ever will. Yeah, it'd be pretty tough, man. But and what a cool bull too. I mean, just like. God, I mean, we I saw mean, him at the banquet. He had, he had banquet. so much character, you know, oh. those those threes on him. I mean, I forgot what the the one three on the one side of 24 <laughs> inches or Jeez, something. Maybe. Yeah. Been, yeah, yeah, I forget what it was exactly, but. Yeah. Not yeah. to mention, I'm sure he tasted good, too. Oh, he so. tastes real good, yeah. <laughs> Probably still eating on him a little bit. A little or? bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, yeah. we we uh, had, I think, the last of the steak a couple weeks ago, so. Yeah. It's too bad you couldn't get one of those every year. Oh, I know. It would be nice, but, but yeah. no, it's still got. Still got plenty of burger and stuff left. It's amazing how big those things are, how much meat you can get off of them. But yeah, but yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for sharing, Zach. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's a, always happy to share a good story. Yeah, man, that's awesome story. Very, you had a amazing fall, and so that's pretty pretty cool. Very cool. So, um, so with that, um, we'll kind of keep moving along here. Um, the the next spot in our typically in the podcast here what we'll try to um answer would be you know if we have any listener emails or questions um obviously this is the first podcast so we don't really don't really have any of those right now but um that's okay um so then i think the next thing we're going to try to do is um with every podcast two different things we're going to have a sort of a recipe of the podcast so to speak i guess and um, and I think the way we'll do this rather than reading the entire recipe off, Zach and I were talking about this before is, um, we'll just, um, have one of the, the social media people. I think Amber will have her put it on the, um, hopefully Facebook or, or something of that nature. And you guys can, can look at that and, and get it off of there. But I guess the recipe that I was going to talk about today um, comes out of the Meat Eater Cookbook, and if you guys, I know turkey season is just kind of uh, finishing up. I know Zach, you had a quite a successful turkey season this year, so yeah. <laughs> but uh, if you're wondering, so I, you know, I always feel like those, you know, the thighs and the legs. I don't know if you have trouble figuring out what to do with those, Zach. Ever, I just, I don't know. I, yeah, you know what? It's kind of a shame, you know, you hear a lot of people throwing them away. And, mm-hmm. you know, this, this recipe, you know, is a slow cooker recipe. And I, I think that's the best way to go with legs. You know, it, they're nice and tender. They come out, you know, you do it right. They come out juicy, you know. And like I said, a lot of people throw them away. And it's a shame. And I think, you know, they make really good sandwich meat. Definitely. I, I think, yeah. And they're they're easy. You know, it's something you can throw in and leave in all day. And, yep. you know, easy to clean up. Yep. No, absolutely. For sure, man. No, and this uh this recipe I've actually tried it. Um it's called Slow Cooker Turkey Pasole. If any of you have the Meat Eater Cookbook, it's on page one sixty two. But um anyways, it's a really good recipe. Um it's sort of I don't know if anybody's familiar with Pasole, it's like a Mexican um soup basically. And really good recipe. We'll we'll put that up on uh the uh, um, Facebook page, the NBA Facebook page for anybody that's interested in making that. But again, just a great way to use up those legs and thighs. And because um, again, I always just seems like I always have trouble figuring out what to do with them. But um, the only thing I, I did hear the other day too, you can make like tacos out of them that are they're pretty good too. Oh but yeah. Anyways, I've seen so. stuff for that. I mean, yeah. you can do, you can get creative with them. Definitely. But, yeah. So. Um, next item of business is, uh, trivia. Um, typically we'll have a little section every podcast, just some little trivia facts. Uh, I, I pulled up, uh, some things I thought it was fitting just for our first podcast that we should give kind of, a um, give our due respect to Fred Bear since he's kind of our, sort of our father of modern archery, I would say to a certain degree, but. So I was gonna give a few, um, few facts just about Fred Bear that I thought were, were kind of interesting. Um, Fred was born in Pennsylvania or in a Pennsylvania farmhouse during a Cumberland Valley blizzard on March fifth, nineteen o two. 
He was the second of three bear children. His father, Harry Bear, took Fred on his first deer hunt near their farm in 1913. Fred killed his first whitetail with a rifle the following season. Um, shortly after his 21st birthday, Fred moved to Detroit when he worked, where he worked as a pattern maker for the Packard Motor Car Company, which I did not know that, but it's interesting. Um, and then there was a couple others that I thought were... Um, this was a, quite an interesting one, actually, I, and probably many of you that are listening already probably knew many of these, but I just thought it would be fun to share. But Fred Bear shoot, uh, shot his bows left-handed, despite the fact that he was naturally right-handed. Um, a farm accident um, had cost Fred part of a finger on his right hand. That injury prevented him from drawing the bowstring and anchoring with his right hand's finger, so he switched to shooting with his left hand, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty <laughs> fascinating. Um, sorry, go ahead, Zach. I was going to say, I, uh, I had a book given to me that was kind of a, you know, a book, a history of Fred Barron on his whole life. And I remember reading something about that, you know, mm-hmm. he, yeah, like you said, a farming accident. It's like, you never realized that, you know, like you said, he shot his bow left-handed, even though he's right eye dominant, you know? Yep. But yeah. Yeah. And there's a couple other things. I mean, just, he had a number of, um, patents, I mean, that. I don't even, there's just a huge list of things that he had patents on. But anyways, just all very interesting things and um, from a great person and just a mentor for all of us, I think, in uh, Fred Bear. So with that, um, I guess the next item of business is, uh, Zach, I'm going to kind of grill you here on uh, bow fishing. That's kind of the topic of the day today, so... Um, Zach, why don't you just, I guess, just start out with, uh, you know, I'm going to sort of treat it as, like I said, many of our NBA members bowfish and are familiar with with how to do it, but I think uh, maybe just kind of talk a little bit about what equipment you need, what kind of setup you're looking at as far as the boat, you know, what types of things, where you're going to go, just maybe touch on a few of those things if you would, so. Yeah, so uh, to to bowfish, you know, um, I guess you don't really need anything fancy, I guess, mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Um, in fact, the bows that we use are usually just pieces of junk, you know. Yeah. Get off yeah. The that way, if something happens to it, you know, I mean, you shoot them so much, and, yeah. you know, you're, something's bound to happen to them, you know. But, uh, yeah, so you don't need any fancy bow to, to bow fish. And, you know, what I use for a reel is a, is a muzzy reel. And you can pick up one of those for about 120 bucks, I think, for the whole setup. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are nice because, you know, you push the button just like a normal reel and it's got drag and everything. You can set the drag. And I think those are really nice, um, compared to, you know, using like the AMS reel, you know, sometimes those can get knots in them, um, just more difficult to work with. But I think if you're starting out, the AMS reel is the way to go, actually. Um, the muzzy reels, you know, you know, the only thing I've really found with them is, you know, a lot of people who are first starting out forget to push that button when oh. they shoot and they end up losing, you know, five, six arrows the first time they go out. Yeah, I remember you telling me that because I did buy, I, I got one last year when I was looking to, to get one finally and that was the one you'd suggested, but, and I didn't forget, luckily. Yeah, so. yeah I've seen people do it and it's frustrating, you know, watching $20 arrows go yeah. in the water, but, yeah. uh, but no, that you, you know, the muzzy reel is nice, you don't have to have it, you know, like I said, you can... If AMS is, you know, the bottle reel is what you want to use, you know, that that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just to each their own, you know, whatever works best for you. You don't have to have anything fancy, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. And typically just like, you know, a lot of you guys just use, you know, older compound bows or even recurves or whatever, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever you, you have. I mean, I mean, you can get on eBay and look. I think I paid for my bow fishing bow, maybe 80 bucks, yeah. but just an old, you know, an old Hoyt. Sure. You know, it's just... Like I said, nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're bound to. I mean, so like you're out on the water all day. Something's bound to happen, dude. It's banging around in the boat. You know, you don't want to use your compound to use mm-hmm. for deer hunting. You know, to go out bow fishing, yeah. of course. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, talk about uh, boat setup as far as you know. What what do you need for that, or what does that look like? Yeah. So typically for a boat setup, you know, you want a platform on the front so you can see down into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, 
trying to stand in the bottom of the boat, obviously, you know, you're looking flat across the water, you're probably not going to see much. Um, you want a platform that's going to give you a little bit of elevation that you can see down the fish down in the water. Otherwise, you know, you know, you're looking straight across the water, that glare is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to see anything. And that's the other thing is you also, you know, a good pair of glasses about it is just you know, going to help you out just as much. Definitely. You don't have polarized glasses. You aren't going to see anything as well. But, but yeah, typically you see a elevated platform on a, on the front of the boat. You know, a lot of guys also have a back platform too, so they can have shooters in the front and the back, you know, just something to get you up above the water where you can see down in it. Mm-hmm. But, gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know typically, you know, where do, where should guys go if they're, you know, looking to go bow fishing, I mean, obviously, don't give away your secret spots or anything, but you know, in general, what uh, and what types of uh, you know fish are, are you after? Yeah, so I'd, I'd suggest if you're just starting out, you know, trying to just go out after commons or something. You know, a lot of yeah, a lot of public lakes have these. You know, obviously, you got to watch your you know boat regulations and everything on mm-hmm. this. But uh, a lot of farm ponds. I mean, if anywhere you can find carp, you know, and we got July first tomorrow actually um game fish open so you can shoot bass you know you know your legal size limit you still got to follow size restrictions and everything but uh yeah july 1 game fish open so if you got you know a private pond or or something where you know a lot of bass you can see that it's clear you know you can go in there and shoot whatever game fish but uh but yeah you know a lot of those farm ponds hold commons you know Mm -hmm. a lot of these public lakes you can find buffalo you know grass carp gar all kinds of stuff so I'd suggest, you know, just maybe starting out at a public lake, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of their first bow fishing trips will go somewhere like Johnson or something, you know, just to go shoot rough fish, you know, and I'd say that's the best way to start out, you know, you you just, you know, get the experience, go out there and shoot, you know, commons, buffs, whatever you see, you know. Definitely, definitely. Um, And anything else you want to add with that or I guess? Uh, Not that I can think of. Okay. I guess, you know, you don't have to go from a boat, you know, a lot of guys boat Mm -hmm. fish off the bank. I guess I didn't mention that before. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those carp will come up along the, along the bank to feed, you know, and you can do it just as well off the bank sometimes as you can a boat, you know, you can get to some of those places that you, you never could with a boat, but definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I know I just, I saw you had, uh, shot a paddlefish this year so talk a little bit about that and what that looks like yeah so for paddlefish um you have to obviously draw the tag first which is getting a little bit tougher yeah i didn't draw one this year yeah (laughs) i I know a few people with a couple preference points who didn't draw you know it used to be about about every year you could get it but uh yeah i know a lot of people didn't draw this year so first you have to apply for the paddlefish tag and uh obviously it's on the missouri river Mm -hmm. um where these fish are um they actually just a few years ago i'm trying to remember what year it was exactly um it's been since i've got to college just in the last few years where they bumped up the season to june 1st Mm. and um it used to be in july which it was a little tougher in july um (laughs) when they used to have it you know we why could, is, could, I guess I would ask why why tougher in July just you know, the fish just not the up fish, fish aren't up yeah. as much and you know the the style of hunting was different I see okay um typically you know that time of year we'd run the outboard push fish you know push fish up you'd be standing on the platform you know just waiting for one to roll mm-hmm. running the outboard you know that's not how you that we would have to do it you know there's guys who anchor there's guys who troll you know you can do it anyway you know but uh but yeah that's how you'd hunt them and you know it it, it's it was tough you know um but they moved the season up to june 1st and you know i wouldn't say it's easy by any means but you know definitely different than when they used to have it in july um but yeah this year it was we you know we went out and got a fish early you know mm-hmm. found where they were up feeding you know early and you know we're able to get a couple nice fish in the boat that morning so yeah a, a lot of people go up to the dam and, you know, yeah. wait for them to roll out of that rough water, you gotcha. know, especially this year, you know, that water was flowing through there, you know, as much as they're <laughs> yeah. releasing there. There's plenty of water oh, in the river. Oh, plenty right of it, now. yeah. And so a lot of guys will go up there, you know, and that, that's a good place to start, you know, if you do draw a tag, you know, going up to the dam, waiting for fish to roll in mm-hmm. that, you know, boiling water. 
In fact, I think a guy, I think I saw last week, shot an 83-pounder up there at the dam. Jeez. Broke the state record, or Holy 89 maybe. Cow. But yeah. It's a big fish. <laughs> it's a real big fish, yeah. So now are you just, you know, are you just floating, essentially? Are you f- trying to find where they're feeding and then going up above them and just floating down through them and shooting them that way? Is that... Um, it depends. You yeah. know, it like I said, you got to kind of find out what the fish are doing. If they're up okay. feeding, you know, you can troll through them. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're not, if fish aren't up, yeah, you get probably going to have to run the outboard. Or like I said, some guys might anchor in a spot and just where they've seen one just roll and, gotcha. and just wait. You know, there's few different ways you can do it you know a lot of guys yeah. i mean each has their own preference how they want to do it you know but mm-hmm. so what's the biggest paddlefish you ever shot me yeah um not this year's i haven't actually shot one that big i want i want to say i shot one that was low 30s two years ago okay I'm trying to think yeah two years ago i, I guess i should clarify what's a big paddlefish is that big you say i'd say you get over 25 pounds, you know, that's a really nice fish. Yeah. If I, you know, if you get a shot at a 25 pound fish, I'd say, you know, do you, it. you do it definitely. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a, that's a great fish. You're going to get a good amount of meat off of it. And that's, that's the other thing is paddlefish is excellent to eat. Oh, you, know, it you is. trim it up, trim yeah. up, trim off that red meat. You know, it's about as good as you can get. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I'd say, you know, anything over 20, 25 is, I'd consider it a good fish. And, you awesome. know, like I said, some years it's really, really tough. And if you get a fish, you know. It, Just you're tickled. Yeah, down, huh? exactly. Yeah. yeah, I can't be too picky. What's the biggest one you've seen? I mean, somebody shoot personally. Somebody shoot? Yeah. Um, I watched I watched Sage Gideon one year shoot a 40-some pounder. I forget. Wow. I was young. I was, I want to say I was still in middle school when he shot it. It was, I want to say 43 maybe. It was low <laughs> 40s. That's um, a big fish. <laughs> that that's about as big as I've seen anybody get. Okay. Um, I've seen a couple of them though. Uh, I think Matt one year shot one that was about that size. Gotcha. That's about as big as I've seen someone shoot. I've seen some when we were big head and stuff, you know, or or you know when it's you know earlier in the year. I've seen some that are fifty. Sure. You know, but I've never seen one of those eighty nine pounders. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a big fish for sure. Um. Speaking of uh, Big Head, why don't you tell us a little bit about Big Head, I guess. And, you know, a lot of people don't really, um, well, I guess I, I should take that back. I would say most people in the NBA by now <laughs> know that, you know, Big Head are, are fun to shoot and they're excellent to eat. Um, but why don't you just, I guess, talk a little bit about that and, and does that differ from, you know, other things that you're doing or... On the, as far as shooting fish in the in the river or or whatever. Yeah. So typically when we go up there, you know, big heads are what we go for. And as as Kyle said, if you're in the NBA, you know, you probably you know you either know you know about big heading or you've gone. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. It, uh, my old man's actually one we should have had on talking about this. He's a fanatic for it. I mean, he he'll go any, it. Yeah. he'll go any chance he can get. I think he I, told me one time that he would rather do that than almost anything else. But yeah, he's yeah. insane. I would never, <laughs> I would never give up yeah. whitetails or anything. Yeah. And he would give up about anything for it. Yeah, but uh, but no, it's a blast, and especially you know this time of year, you know when you're trying to pass time in the summer months, waiting for fall to come, it's you know, definitely gives you something to do in the summer. But, but yeah, we'll go up there, you know, a few days at a time and, and, you know, hunt big heads and they're a little different fish, you know, you can't just go up there and, you know, it's not like commons where you just go up and stack them up every time, you know, it seems Mm -hmm. like every time you go up there, the fish are doing something different, you know, um, you could, you just got to find the fish, you know, they're in different holes every time. Um, you know, and it, it's weird. It, it might be a 80 degree, perfectly calm, sunny day, and there might not be a fish up. Then all of a sudden, you know, an hour later, bam, there's thousands up. You know, <laughs> it, it, they're just, they're a strange fish, you know. And yeah. Like I said, they, they're doing something different every time, you know. One time they might, you know, be in a hole. The other time you find them in some weird backwater, you know. Yeah. It's just a different situation every time with these fish. Is, and that's what makes it so fun, you know. And not only that, but as you mentioned earlier, they're excellent to eat, man. That yeah, I can't think of a fish that's better to eat than that. And I would agree, honestly. I know, mean, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people who don't who say they don't like fish and they'll eat big head, and their minds just blown, you know. And it's yeah. like, 
you, you fry it up for him and give him that and don't tell him what it is. It's like, what is that? And it's like, oh, it's these. Show him a picture. It's like, no way. Yeah. And it's like, but with that being said, they are tough to clean. Uh, I, yeah, I had my first experience of that last I, year. I still, oh, man. if he gave me a fillet, I'd butcher it so bad. Yeah. I, my, my dad, yeah. like I said, he's a fanatic for it. He has it down to an art. He yeah. can, you know, he can pick those things apart and have a whole slab of meat off of them, but... But no, they are tough to clean. They got three sets of Y bones in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's a mess. You look at the fillet and yeah, it's something yeah, else. But it, it's them. worth it though. If you take sure. the time to learn how to clean them, it's worth every minute. You know, it's the best eating fish you can get, in my opinion. Yeah, no, for sure. One, I I agree with you there, definitely. Um, excellent. Well, thanks, Zach. Um, I guess the. Next thing, or sorry, I was gonna. Ask, what what about big head? What's the biggest big head you've ever shot? Uh, shot one that was just over fifty. Wow! I actually shot him when I was in seventh or eighth grade, maybe, and luckily I spined it, so I didn't have to fight the thing. But <laughs> yeah. I, I figure if I had to fight it, I probably would have been in the water. It's probably weighing about. Yeah, probably only about ten more pounds in the fish at that time. Yeah, I was gonna say you yeah. couldn't have been much more than that, right? <laughs> yeah, but but no, that's the biggest one I've ever got. Um, wow, that's I've a seen big fish. I've got a couple, you know, in that mid forties range, mm-hmm. you know. And what about biggest one you've ever seen? I actually haven't seen. You know, I've seen a couple that are in that fifties range. Yeah. Um. Actually, we saw one one time that that Matt pointed out that we thought was a log and when we came back it was gone oh geez. and i it, it was a fish i mean for sure it was just deep one of those and you know that might have been a 60 pound fish but i've yeah you know i saw saw on facebook a couple weeks ago i mean not long before that paddlefish a guy killed a hundred and some pounder wow I'm not up at yankton but uh not that far down the missouri Jeez, that's incredible yeah, I've, I've never seen one like that but no i'd say you know that mid 50s range pushing 60 is about as big as i've ever seen yeah yeah no i i don't even i mean i went last year with a fellow nba member jake runyon i'd I'd never gone before you know which is crazy to me that yeah i've been you know in the nba since i could walk or since i was i was born basically and um you know bow hunted about every other thing but i never yeah, went bow fishing but it, anyways it was it was really fun yeah. really fun and yeah i think I don't, I don't even remember how big the one that i shot was but that was the only it was the only one that we really saw that day so really? i can definitely attest to one of those tough days yeah yeah you know? but and it was i mean there was a lot of water coming out that day yeah too yeah. And, and so there's just so anyways. many factors that play into you know water yeah. you know we even said barometric pressure you know it yeah. just seems like you know, it could be a perfect day and there's nothing up. Then you get the worst day and they're everywhere. Yeah. You, know, it's just <laughs> you never know. Strange. But. Yeah. Um, I guess the next thing I was going to ask you about. So I know it's kind of staying on, obviously we're on the bow fishing subject here, but I know you just got back from a, from a trip up in Maryland, right? You want to talk yeah. a little bit about that and what, what you were doing there? So. Yeah. So we went out on family vacation to Maryland to see our good friends out there, the blacks, um, they usually come out deer hunting every year, so we went out there, and I had actually went there last year, and this time I went back, and uh, my whole family went, mm-hmm. and so we went out there and, you know, kind of just had a family vacation, hung out for a few days, but we also did some bow fishing. Um, we went out and shot some rays, so that that was a blast. I mean, that that's another thing that's just a whole different game, you know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, that it was really fun. We ended up getting into them. Um, the cow nose were the ones we were usually, the ones we were mainly shooting. But my dad ended up shooting a southern ray, you know, one of those big mm-hmm. circular ones. And I mm-hmm. think that one was 70-some pounds, I think. Wow. But, Gee, that's big. Yeah. The, Is the, that a fish? I guess it's a fish technically, huh? I, technically, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a ray. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I I don't know you, either. Honestly. Yeah. Um, but no, it was really fun, you know. We'd just run the outboard real slow and... All of a sudden, there'd be some, you know, coming through feeding, and it looks like a huge pizza box in the water, you know, just a big, you know, glowing circle, you know, and man, those things fight. You, you think really? of big head fights. Yeah. It's like you shoot them, and they'll take all your line out in about three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they, they'd take off so fast, but 
But no, uh, another excellent thing to eat that Southern Ray. We we actually grilled it, marinated some. And that was excellent really? too. Yeah, really good to eat. Okay. But yeah, is it it kind of remind me of scallops a little bit? Really? Yeah, okay. kind make, of a firm makes sense, texture. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but it's no. salt water. It's saltwater fish, right? I mean, tech, you're yeah, in, we or is yeah, it brackish water. It, or? We were in brackish okay. water, but you can find them in salt water. Gotcha. But yeah, we were in brackish water in the bay there. So okay, yep. They are a fish, by the way. I just looked it up to oh, to there see. You go. They're uh, they're in. I don't even know how to say that. Betoidia. I need Joel Klammer here. He's a fisheries guy. But anyways, he'd have the answer. Yeah, for you. he'd know. But um. They're a super order of cartilaginous fishes, commonly known as rays. So there we go. Yeah, so, there you go. There you go. Another fun fact of the day. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other? Did you were you fishing for anything else up there, or, or I say fishing, I, bow fishing, I guess. But um. um, you know, last year when I went up there, we got into those uh, houndfish. They kind of look like a barracuda. Okay. And I I shot a really big one last year, and we. You know, we were hoping we'd maybe see one. You mm-hmm. know, they're kind of the off chance. They're more of a night fish. We never went out at night. I see. Um, we did see some little ones when we were going along. I mean, when I say little, like three to four inches. So okay. <laughs> not, nothing we could shoot <laughs> nothing or to, hit anyways. I got you. But, uh, yeah, so it, it's mainly raised, you know. I remember last year I went out there and I shot a common, and their their minds were just blown that, shot a common carp in that brackish water you know so i guess they're pretty rare to get into <laughs> them out there but wow yeah it's just mainly rays we were after though and uh the when we were in the bay we were looking for those bigger southern ones you know like mm-hmm. i said my dad shot that 70 some pounder and uh yeah very cool awesome well that uh sounded like a like a fun trip yeah so. it was fun so who was so you and your dad and and your sister were all my mom and sister were there and and then, yeah our our friend dave black and his two sons chase and kelton were there nice so, yeah it was a it was a fun time oh that sounds sounds like a a good adventure for somebody looking to you know head out to the east coast and yeah exactly do something like yeah that, a lot of guides out there too is there uh, yeah that's yep. that was gonna be my next question was if there yep, was... there's a there's plenty of guides in fact we went with one we didn't go with one this year we thought about it for a while and mm-hmm. we went with him last year and you know really good guy got us on a lot of fish and that's when i actually shot the hound fish but yeah if you're looking to go i mean there's plenty of guides out there that are really reasonably priced you know they can put you on some fish awesome um and then uh sorry i mean talking about maryland and then i know you had went to um or you'd fish for bowfish for alligator gar last year is that right yeah where so was that at tell us about that that was down in south texas by uh okay. kind of by tavoli so real southwest texas mm-hmm. or southeast excuse me um so we were about an hour and a half southeast of san antonio okay and so short story how we ended up even going on that trip my roommate kale encouraged me to enter this photo contest for lone star outdoor show <laughs> and it was with that gold big head that i shot oh that, yeah that i was gonna ask one. you about yeah. that too that's yeah so cool. we entered that and in the photo contest in the month and the prize was the trophy alligator gar hunt and this was wow. our sophomore year of college and kale's like you should enter this contest or whatever i was like ah not really into those you know it's like guys like me never win <laughs> and so i enter it and start getting quite a few votes and i'm just kale's like dude you got a shot at winning this thing so we kind of shared it on facebook and it kind of you know between our friends kind of went viral you know all of a sudden our mm-hmm. friends started sharing it their family started sharing it and ended up winning it by a long ways and you wow know, so cable contacted me he's like hey you won the alligator guard trip figure out a time and we'll go and so we were going to go that summer and that was going into my junior year of college and actually we we're supposed to go bear hunting that june mm-hmm. so and june early june was the time that he wanted to go it's like man i can't just take a full week off in early june turn around a week later and take off another week to go bear hunting you know yeah so i decided to go bear hunting and kind of put it on the back burner and so last year in the spring kale's like dude he won that trip he goes or you know message cable figure out a time to go you know <laughs> i was like he's got a point you know kind of put it in the back of my mind and hadn't thought about it so i messaged cable over spring break i said hey 
you know, we couldn't find a time last year. Can we make something work this year? And he ended up setting the dates for the beginning of June. And I said, I asked if I could bring Kale with me. I was like, here, if I bring my roommate, Kale, he's the one who even told me to enter the contest, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yeah, absolutely bring him along. And so we went down and met up with extreme bow fishing. He was, he's a guy down there in South Texas. And so we flew from Grand Island to San Antonio and, uh, stayed in San Antonio for a couple nights, you know, mm-hmm. got to see downtown San Antonio, met up with our friend Jake down there, Wilkins, who had been, he had an internship down there at that summer. So he came and saw us and, you know, kind of got to hang out in San Antonio for a couple of days. And then, so we ended up driving down and meeting up with Cable and this, uh, this guy from Extreme Bow Fishing, mm-hmm. Cody. And, uh, so we meet up with him at this gas station and they take us out and, you know, kind of this, this brasness river, kind of just this, it was flooded at the time. And I mean, we went out on the water and I was like, we're not going to see a thing. You know, you can see an inch deep in this stuff. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, this might be a long day. Yeah. So we get out on the water and we were like five minutes in and I look to my right and Kale's at full draw and he snaps a shot off. And I just saw the back of this fish, and I was like, holy cow. You know, he just, <laughs> just like a 100-pound fish just rolled out of the water, and, oh, you know, man. you're blown away. You know, you, you see pictures of them, but then you see it in person, and it just blows you away, you know. And so anyways, we went, kind of went the rest of the way up this river and turned around to come back and go down to the boat ramp, and we are going to go to another spot. We're coming back down, and one rolls to the right, and Kale shoots and hits the fish, and the fight was on, man. It, I mean, this fish went all over the place. I mean, I bet we fought it for 20, 30 minutes, maybe. Jeez. And it's just screaming drag, and all of a sudden, Kale's line is out the straight out the front of the boat, so we're all like turned around looking out the front, and all of a sudden, we hear something splash behind us, and 150 yards behind us is Kale's fish like and we're just like what the heck you know there's lines going out the front of the boat and he's 150 yards out the back and he had wrapped all around like logs and stuff and we fought him forever and finally got him in you know and we were high-fiving you know hugging and stuff we're like man that's awesome you know that was worth the trip you know 100 and 100 and some pound fish you know nothing huge not one of those seven footers you know but but we were tickled to death so we get him in and we go back down gonna go to the boat ramp to clean him all of a sudden, I mean, it, it was a snapshot. Out of the corner of my eye, you know, everybody's kind of talking. We were floating along, and I just see a flash out of the corner of my eye, and I turned, I don't even, I mean, I I shot within a couple seconds. I mean, I was full draw, and I mean, released almost immediately, and then mm-hmm. shot this fish. And the guy throws it in neutral, you know, and he's like, you hit him. You know, I heard it pop when it hit. I mean, that was the thing with these fish. You shoot them, and it, pop, it made a pop, almost like hitting a deer, you know. <laughs> I heard the pop, and all of a sudden the fish just floats to the surface. It's just dead. I mean, it's just like <laughs> it floats right alongside the boat, and the guide flopped him in, and I never got to fight it or anything, oh. and hit him through the heart. But <laughs> which I mean, not saying good I, for you. Not I guess, saying right? I didn't want to yeah. fight it or anything, yeah. but it was kind of like it shot it, and I was like, oh man, I was kind of expecting to yeah. fight for my life, you know, well. kind of like Kale did. But but no, ended up getting two really nice fish, and. Wow it kind of turned into an adventure from there cable you know kind of said he's like hey i got this buddy down on the coast down in uh down by corpus christi you know Mm -hmm. out in the gulf and he's like it was port Mm o'connor actually was the name of the town and uh he's like if you guys want to go catch some redfish we could sure do that you know we had shot our fish in the first couple hours of the day so we're like sure you know we you know drove our rental down there and met cable and ate at a seafood bar on the way and ended up going out and we ended up just hammering the redfish with this guy and had a heck of a time first time either of us had did any saltwater stuff and on the way back that night you know we pulled the boat in we go up to this little seafood bar we had all our gator gar meat and so it was this bar you could go in and pretty much just take your own meat and they'd fry it for you for like 10 bucks yeah so <laughs> we're awesome. so we're just like well we might as well we got all this gator gar meat and they were closing down for the night we took it all into them and they fried it up for us and brought us out all this food and oh man it was awesome though i mean talk That's about cool. talk about an experience of a lifetime that yeah hell, it was it was a good time but. yeah no that's that's awesome and then um i guess i mean there's lots of guides and stuff down there anybody that's looking to 
to do something like that, I suppose. I'm oh sure yeah, there there's plenty some. of guides down there that do yeah. it. I mean, I I know the one we went with. Um, ultimately, I think he relocated to Louisiana this past year. Oh really? Yeah, they're starting to get. He wasn't liking the restrictions down there in Texas on hmm. some of their some of the restrictions they're putting on the Gator Guard and stuff. But uh, but no, there's plenty of guys down there who do it and it's one of those things too you could go down there and do it on your own yeah i mean it wouldn't be that hard yeah honestly but gotcha but yeah i'd say if you get the chance it's definitely something to do cool no that's sounds like a quite an experience yeah imagine a hundred plus pound fish just oh i know <laughs> ripping line out a lot of meat too oh good, yeah good Jeez. how much meat did, would you get i mean a hundred pound fish what what do you expect oh man to get? i don't know i mean we open those things up and we cut out the they have back straps you know like yeah. normal garden i don't know what one of those back straps weighed maybe 15 pounds Jeez. maybe more maybe 20 pounds i yeah. don't they i mean it was like a like an elk back strap I mean, so is, is it like a I mean, is it like a white meat too? Really like, white, really firm. I mean, like, like like fish, or is it something like similar? Uh, to... I'm this is gonna sound cliche, but it was like chicken. Yeah, like it, it was stringy. More, it was it yeah. wasn't flaky like fish. It was gotcha. Kind of more a little stringy. different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was gotcha. good stuff though. Cool. Well, no, that's that's great, man. Thanks for thanks for sharing all those bow fishing experiences, and uh, you know, like I said, that's kind of what this podcast was sort of designed to to uh to touch on today yeah, it's just going over a bunch of that stuff so like i said in the summer months you know people kind of just waiting around for fall to you know come yeah. you know and it's just something to help pass the time you know summer months are great for bow fishing yeah you know but one thing i'd say too is just that you know just you you're doing so much shooting the whole time oh yeah it's, it, it's action-packed you know it yeah makes it fun for kids too you know for sure if you're looking to get a kid into bow hunting, you know, take them out bow fishing, let them shoot some commons. You know, yep. it's a target rich environment. You know, it's going to get them hooked on it. Take someone out. Yep. You know? And just the practice too. I mean, I know you're not, you know, you're not using, I mean, it's, you're shooting instinctively essentially, right. you know, but yeah. you know, it's, it's still, you're still doing, you're going through the motions oh, and you're exactly. still, uh, yeah. you know, it, I think any type of, anytime you're shooting your bow, I think you're, you're doing exactly. good things. So, yep anyhow but um well i guess i had just had one more thing i was going to ask you or touch on before we kind of wrap up the bow fishing stuff is do you have any advice for like i said people that are wanting to get into it we kind of touched on some things but um or how they should go about starting or you know what uh, what types of things would you recommend there yeah you know like we said touched on a little bit earlier i'd say you know just just find a setup that you know that isn't you know like i said you don't have to have the you know brand new muzzy reel to go do yeah. it you know just find something cheap get a yeah. ams reel you know you can do the whole setup for i mean you can get a cheap bow and get an ams reel 120 130 bucks yeah. for the whole thing you know get an arrow just go find a old farm pond or go to a public lake or something mm-hmm. you know and just get out there and do it you know you're especially this time of year you know you you go to some gravel pit or something, you know, once game fish opens, you're going to find something to yeah. shoot at. You go to a public lake, there's plenty of carp around or, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't take, it's not too hard to find a spot, you know, you just got to get out there and go. That'd be my biggest recommendation. And we also kind of touched on, you don't necessarily have to go from a boat. Yeah. You, know, you can go from the bank, you know, get, have just as much fun doing that, you know? Yeah. And I would say too, just, you know, any, <clears throat> any listeners that have an interest in that or, you know, if they're, if they are members of the NBA or, you know, potential members of the NBA, you know, definitely just even talk to fellow NBA members that, you know, would maybe take you out if you asked, you oh, know, yeah, I'm exactly. sure a lot there's, of people would. So, yeah, there's plenty of guys who'd be willing to take you or help yeah. you out or point you in the right direction, you know, definitely. So very good. Um, perfect. Well, thanks Zach so much for, you know, kind of touching on those things with the, with the bow fishing. So, um, I guess the next thing I'm going to just roll into real quick is we're going to do a segment every um, every podcast where we uh, meet an NBA member. Um, it's going to be kind of the title of it. Um, and since Jake Runyon, who many of you know and are familiar with, since he was so kind as to give me this idea, that then I told him that he had to be the first one. So, um, so Jake's going to be our meet an NBA member here. Um, you know, I just wanted to kind of t- 
touch on this. Zach and I had talked about this, and hopefully maybe, you know, in the future, we can possibly, you know, have, you know, have these recorded or something, um, you know, to kind of make it a little more personal. But um, for the time being, I, I've just, I've sent out, um, you know, some forms to a few different people. And, you know, you may be one of those that's listening right now to this. And um, so we just appreciate you filling those out. But then subsequently, it ends up being, being uh, Zach or I <laughs> reading this, which isn't nearly as exciting as somebody else telling us about themselves. But, um, you know, it is what it is. So so without the without further ado, we'll uh, touch on. So Jake Runyon, I was born in, um, or his uh, hometown is Ainsworth, Nebraska. Currently lives in Atkinson, where he's um, and is a PA in um, Norfolk, Nebraska. Um, does uh, or he did his undergrad at Chattern State and PA school is at Idaho State University. Um, he is uh, married, his wife Riley, and then also has a quote-unquote spoiled dog Kobe as well so um, he's Jake said he's been bow hunting for 19 years and um, you know I, he said he's had many mentors when bow hunting or when he was starting bow hunting and all of them were members of the NBA they taught him not only how to shoot a bow but proper bow hunting etiquette and how close of a family um, bow hunters can be um, he says, growing up with Eric Albright, um, his father Mike probably spent the most time working with him and just showing him the ropes. Jake's favorite um, bow hunting memory was actually, it says, his first NBA jamboree that he attended. Um, he was wanting to do the balloon shoot so badly. However, none of his friends were willing to shoot with him because he could barely hit a 3D target at 10 yards the day before. So, <laughs> so Trent Felbrick volunteered to to shoot with him out of pity. Um, he says they ended up placing second or third. Can't really remember, um, which doesn't surprise me because Jake's kind of getting old. So, um, but he did end up winning a medal. So, um, he's pretty, said he's pretty sure that Trent was sick of hearing thank you by the time, um, the weekend was over. But, um, Jake says favorite, uh, animal to bow hunt is white tailed deer. He says, really peaceful just sitting up in his stand listening to watching nature and also very satisfying to know your skills are good enough to trick one of the smartest and wariest animals in nebraska um he did put a caveat in there though and said however after shooting an elk last year elk hunting may take the lead if he ever does shoot a big bull so i don't know what do you think about that zach <laughs> uh, i think he might be on the right track there if he yeah. gets a big bull he might change his mind <laughs> um when asked what uh, one animal he's always wanted to hunt but has not yet, um, he replied moose, and I made the mistake of not asking why, so um, Jake was obviously putting the bare minimum into this and just answering the questions. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that was a joke, Jake. But anyways, um, bow hunting role models include Fred Bear and Uncle Ted, Ted Nugent. Jake's been an NBA member for 17 years, he thinks. Again, he's getting old, so... Um, he's not really sure on that, but it says around 17 years. Um, favorite NBA memory, um, was getting his first big game award it is actually the second big game animal he had ever killed, but somehow his first big game award application got lost in a pile of mail at home and it was never submitted. So rather than a plaque of a white tailed deer, he now has an antelope or it has an antelope on it. He says that is the one and only animal antelope he's ever killed with this bow. So. Um, when asked about how the NBA influences Jake, he says it has taught him so many life lessons. Couldn't even list them all. One thing he's really started to understand in recent years is the need and importance to be proactive and advocate for the sport of bow hunting. It has influenced him to start writing and speaking to senators and legislative reps about bills that would harm the wonderful sport. If we don't speak up, no one will for us. And I would definitely agree with that. Definitely, um, yeah, well put. Yes, for sure. And I think, you know, um, not to detract from this meet an NBA member thing that we're doing right now, but I just wanted to echo Jake's um, thoughts with that is, you know, that's kind of, you know, partly the reason why we wanted to get this podcast rolling too is, 
you know, just to, you know, increase awareness in the club as far as, you know, when we do have legislative issues and things that, that need to be addressed and, you know, when we need to have club members writing to their senators and different things that, you know, we just want you guys to be aware of that. So we'll definitely try and bring some of that stuff to you. But yep. anything to add on that, Zach? Or? No, nothing I can think of. Okay. Um, two interesting facts about Jake, not related to bow hunting. He says he's a distant cousin of the outlaw Jesse James, and he says he climbed the tallest mountain in Idaho when he was living there, Mount Bora. It was in mid-July, and it was snowing on top at that time, which is is interesting. Thanks, Jake. And then the last thing, um, I guess, what advice would you have for any, uh, for the coming bow hunting generation? And Jake just says, find good mentors and learn as much as you can from them because it's the knowledge passed from one generation to another. Um, that's how knowledge is passed from one generation to another. And at some point, the old fellers won't be around to teach us any longer, so just pay attention to when they're talking. And then Jake says uh, he is the current NBA Jamboree chairman, along with Oren Seidel. And if you have any um, suggestions or think we need to um, change something, he says don't hesitate to tell him. So I think, did I say Eric earlier? Or was that when we were just talking earlier? I think it's Oren is is the yeah. Eric co- helps him too, though. Okay, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. that's what uh, that's what Jake said in there. So, um, so thanks Jake for filling that out, and thanks for the idea. We'll try to um, like I said, we're gonna have one of those at least one every every time we do one of these podcasts, maybe two, depending on how short they are. But. Yeah, and like you said, if we could have them like call in or Skype in or whatever yeah. to hear from them, you know, more personally, yep. you know, instead of just reading their stuff, we're hoping to do something like that. Yeah. When we get a little more organized and I get a little more familiar with things and how to do that, probably try to do that at some point. So, um, yeah, I guess with that, uh, I think we're probably trying to wrap things up. Zach, do you have any mm-hmm. other closing comments or anything you'd like to add or um i'd just like to say again you know kind of this first one was just kind of getting the feel of things and i feel like it went pretty well but if you have any suggestions you know like i said you can email us once again at any podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments or think anything we could fit in that would help make it a little better we yeah. appreciate it and again, that's N-E, and N as in Nancy, so N-E Bowhunt Podcast at gmail.com. So, um, and we'll get that recipe um, put up on Facebook if anybody's interested in that. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I don't think I, I guess, again, you know, we just uh, bear with us on this as we're trying to, to get things rolling and get more organized and I think this will be a good thing, hopefully for the club. And I've had a lot of positive feedback just as yeah. far as, you know, people are excited about this. So we'll uh, have a bunch of different guests on, I'm hoping to. Um, that's kind of the plan is, you know, with Z- this being the first one, Zach and I, I just, I, I told Zach he was going to, I was going to have to, or I was not have to, but I was going to interview him today because um, both bow fishing, I figured was a very appropriate thing for the, the current time. So yeah. But we'll have, try to have different speakers on every podcast, ideally. You know, Zach and, a, my, Zach and I may have a couple more where we, you know, just talk about different things. I think, you know, we'll, we're going to have one coming up here shortly, with, like I said, with the Jamboree, just kind of touching on some different things with that. And then I think at some point, I, Zach and I talked about doing one, um, sort of a, a, a co, co one on uh, antelope hunting at some point. So, because yeah. that, that'll be coming up pretty quick too, so. Um, again, please email us any, um, things that you guys, suggestions that you guys have, um, or, you know, positive feedback's good too. Anything, um, constructive criticism, all that's great. So, and with that, I think that's all we've got for today. So anything else, Zach? No, nope, not that I can think. All right. Thanks guys. And again, this is the Nebraska Bowhunters Association podcast. This is episode one and thanks for tuning in.